You are listening to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy the message. Jesus has given us the Sermon on the Mount. He's about to end this masterpiece. And so if you can picture again, it is known to this day as the Mount of Beatitudes. It's more of a hillside than it is a mountain. Jesus has walked to the top of it. He's sat down. The Sea of Galilee is to his left. In front of him is every kind of person, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, man, woman. Every kind of person is present. And he has introduced himself as king of a kingdom that nobody has ever seen the likes of. He's preached for a significant amount of time. This is more like summer camp than it is Sunday service. Most theologians think that he would teach for a couple hours and then take a break and they would go have a meal or or go hang out, kind of have some fellowship and he'd come back and he probably did this for two or three days. And we get to Matthew 7 and verse 24 and Jesus is about to bring the sermon to a close and two times he references storms. Two times he references storms. These events that happen in our lives, the news that we get, the diagnosis we receive, the decision that they make, the betrayal, the hurt, the tragedy, the harm, the phone call that we get, the day that we dread. It's incredible to think that as Jesus taught, he knew what was going on in the hearts and minds of everyone that he was looking at. I'm not sure that I would want that power, but Jesus, as he is teaching on storms, he's clear on the storms that have happened in everyone's life, are happening in everyone's life, and unfortunately will happen in everyone's life. And he's speaking, I think, with an incredible amount of empathy about the struggles that we face. The Bible calls them valleys, calls them trials, calls them suffering, calls them the wilderness, different names for storms that come into our life. And Jesus is saying, not only do I know that storms come. Not only do I know that you're in a storm, not only do I know that storms will come, I'm trying to prepare you for the storms. I think that a lot of times we tend to feel like God has forgotten us when we're in valleys. Don't you feel that way? When the the wind gets revved up, when the rain starts coming, when the news feels like, man, every time I turn around, it's something else. Where is God? Why isn't God stronger than this? Why isn't God bigger than this? Why is God allowing this. And it's important because King David said, hey, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. You see, Jesus knew who he was talking to. He knew the storms that were going on then, and he knows the storms that are going on now. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. God is more powerful than your storm. But I think it's important for us to understand the storms that are represented in the Bible. There's three different types of storms. And and here's why. I think that it's important for you to know where you are and the type of storm that you're in. Because once you know where you are and the storm that you're in, it helps you make your next decision. So here in Lee Summit, if it drizzles a little bit, I'm sitting at a soccer game. It starts to drizzle. I look at the map. Yep, we're good. I put a umbrella up and I keep watching the soccer game. If I were in Florida and it starts to drizzle, what do I think? Am I in a hurricane? Is this a hurricane? Do I need to pack up my stuff and head back to the Holy Land of Missouri? Not Kansas, Missouri, all right? If you're from Kansas, we're glad. (laughs) Hallelujah, she says. If you're from Kansas, we're glad you're here, but we're in Missouri. Come on, somebody. I ain't trying to have a hurricane in Missouri. You know, I'll take some drizzles. It starts to rain. Is this a thunderstorm or is this a tornado? 
You see, a lot of us, storms happen in our life, and we don't know where we are, and we don't know the storm we're in, so we don't know what to do next. But the Bible's really clear about different storms, three different types of storms that I want to give you today. And I, I want to teach that to you because I, because I want you to know where you are, and I want you to know how to respond. The first is, is what I'm going to call correcting storms. Correcting storms. We see this in the life of Jonah. God comes to Jonah. He says, Joe, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Joe says, I'll go that way. Right? Uh, Nineveh is that way. I'm going to go literally the opposite direction. And before you get too judgy, there are things that God tells you to go this way. And you say, no, nah, I'll go this way. Right? He gets into a ship. He buys a ticket on the ship. He goes to the bottom of that ship. And in Jonah 1 and verse 4, it says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to be broken. The Lord hurled, it's the same word in 1 Samuel 18, verse 11, when Saul hurls a spear at David trying to kill him. This is a terrifying verse. In Jonah's disobedience, God shapes a storm into the shape of a spear and throws it at Jonah. These are the storms that we bring on ourselves. These are the storms that uh, our decisions, our choices have consequences. Now, not all storms are a result of sin. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this. The reason that that's happening to you is because you have unconfessed sin, right? That's not always true. Not all storms produce sin, but all sin produces storms. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse 7, hey, don't, don't be deceived. Don't, don't get this twisted. God is not mocked. And whatever somebody sows, that will they also reap. Your choices have consequences. And here's what I want you to understand. God forgives our choices, but forgiveness doesn't always alleviate the consequences. Sometimes we come to God and we say, God, I confess this sin to you, hoping that it means we won't have to face the consequence. But when you jump off the proverbial cliff, you still hit the bottom, even if you're forgiven on the way down. Some of us are making decisions right now. We're making decisions right now that are diametrically opposed to God's way, to God's best. We're doing it in our marriage. We're doing it in our finances. We're doing it with our kids. And sin, one theologian says, will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to spend. And, and what I've seen is, is, is actually when it comes to sin, the further you go and the longer you stay, the more it costs. I, I know people who... Way back in the day, they walked with God, but then for any number of reasons, they decided to walk away. And the amount of time that they are away with God as they're trying to come back, the cost of re-entrance is so incredibly high. It's so incredibly high because they've built their life against the promises of God. They've got all these relationships and all these decisions and all these habits and all these rhythms. Listen, sin is not free. It feels free, but sin is expensive. Sin is expensive, and the further you go into it and the longer you stay with it, the more it costs. And this storm, this correcting storm, this storm is a kindness of God. Hear me. This correcting storm is a kindness of God that's intended to get your attention. It's intended to get your attention. This is God saying, Bub, you can't afford where you're going. You can't afford what this is going to cost you. You don't have the wherewithal to keep going this direction. You're going to bankrupt your marriage, bankrupt your kids, bankrupt your soul. Please 
Don't take another step. Some of the best advice I have ever received in my life is when it comes to God's discipline, have a low pain tolerance. Listen, I I want you to be a sissy when it comes to God's correction. I want you to throw yourself, ah, I got it, oh no, don't do it again, please, I get it, okay, I'll stop. Don't be stubborn when it comes to God's word and ways. Don't insist that you know the right way to do it. Don't, don't again and again and again beat your head into the concrete wall that is the foundation of the promises of God. Have a low pain tolerance when it comes to God. And some of you right now, this is the storm that you're in. You know exactly where you are. We know where you are. You know where you are. You are insisting that God is wrong and you are right. You are insisting that your way is best. You are insisting that he or she or it are more valuable than him. And God is in his kindness ruining it right in front of you. In his kindness, he's bringing things that are intended to stress, are intended to push, are intended to expose, are intended to tear at the seams. Why? Because he loves you too much to let you keep walking in the middle of the street. He loves you too much than to let you get that close to the cliff. And if he has to send a storm to blow you back on solid land, he'll absolutely do it. Listen, if this is you and this is where you are and this is what's happening, today is the day of repentance. Repentance isn't an idea. Repentance is an action. It means to turn around. It means to take a step back. It means to stop, to not go any further because you know that God loves you too much and is powerful enough to hurl a storm at your head. You should be afraid to disobey God. God loves you too much to let you keep doing it. And I'll be honest with you. God loves us too much to make us keep watching it. Listen, some of you think your choices only affect you. That's never true. It's never true. You have people in your life who love you and are tired of watching you make a mess of it. You have people in your life that depend on you, that have learned that they can't trust you, and today is the day to confess your sin and to come home. Come on, say amen to that, church. Today's the day to let that correcting storm correct the direction of your life. Correcting storms, number one. Number two is directing storms. No alliteration, but a little rhyming. Come on, somebody, all right? We see this in the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. In Acts 27 and 2 Corinthians 11 and 25, Paul is literally on his way to a place, and a storm redirects him. You see, storms have the ability to move ships, to send that ship on a new direction. The storm intends to change the the GPS. Now, sometimes uh, you're you're heading a different direction. You're heading a direction and you look into the future and, and you see the storm coming. Maybe, maybe you've had this go, babe, if we keep doing this, uh, our future together is not going to be good. Hey, Bub, if, we, if, if you and I keep having this, if I keep doing this with my finances, if I keep acting this way at work, uh, there's a storm in my future. And wisdom, wisdom is the ability to see the storm and change direction. But how many of you know sometimes uh, you don't see the storm until the storm lands on you? Yeah. You wake up one day and you get the call. You walk into the office and you get the news. This is the end of a relationship you thought was the one. This is missing out on the job you thought you were perfect for, losing the job you thought was going great. This storm is intended to protect you. 
It's intended to protect you. You say, how's a storm protecting me? It feels like a storm's trying to kill me. Right, let's, let's think about this for a second, okay? Um, if you have a theology of suffering, and most of us don't, but if you have a theology of suffering, it's usually bad theology. And we've heard this in the church, right? If bad things happen, it's because you're doing bad things. That's not what the Bible says, but that's what we teach. And as bad as your theology on suffering is, most of our theology on success is even worse. Most of our theology on success is that if it's going well, it must be because I'm right. We're so enamored with success that we assume if the outcome is good, it must be because I did it well. Even though God says, nah, that has nothing to do with you. That's just grace because I reign on the just and the unjust. Some of us think that the ends justify the means. We assume that if it's going well, it's because I'm going well. And most of us, if we're getting a little bit of blessing, we're so enamored with success that we're just going to keep going and going and going. And so God can't move us with success, so he has to bring a storm. Listen, when things are going well, how open are you to changing it? Oh, why would I change it, man? I'm getting paid. Why would I change it? I'm getting other things that rhyme with paid. <laughs> Welcome to church, y'all. Why would I stop doing this? I like how it's going. Listen, God, very rarely do we allow God to change success in our life. We hang on to success like our life depended on it. And so if God can't direct you with success, he has to direct you with a storm. He has to direct you with a storm. Let's be honest. You think you're right when it's going well and you want more of it. And, and sometimes God says, you think you're right, but you're not. And let's understand that if God chooses to use a storm to protect, to protect you, the storm that you were actually headed to is much worse than the storm that he uses to direct you. Listen, God, God's able to manage the vehemence of storms. And some of us are heading to a storm that we call success, but it's actually the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy will use anything he can to keep you away from the plans and purposes of God. And one of the easiest ways that he does this in the, this country is cash. I got a new job. They're going to pay me twice as much. Awesome. Where is it? Oh, it's in Timbuktu. Is there a church in Timbuktu? I don't know. I'll figure that out. Do you know how many times I've heard that? Somebody following a job and a dollar and leaving their faith to get it? Because success means I'm right. And so God brings a storm to push you back toward his plan, to his plans and purposes because, because success doesn't do it, so storms are required. Thirdly is perfecting storms, correcting storms, directing storms, and then perfecting storms. Listen to what Joseph says to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This storm is intended to transform you. The correcting storm is intended to get your attention. The directing storm is intended to protect you. The perfecting storm is intended to change you. These are the circumstances that you don't want, but they give you what you actually need. This is where your test becomes a testimony. 
This is where your mess becomes a message. This, this is the person whose divorce turns into a ministry, whose, whose, whose bankruptcy turns into them becoming a financial coach. Listen, I, I, I want to follow people that have gone through the valley and come out the other side, don't you? Yeah, they've gone through some storms. Now, we want success. We pursue success. We define success. But the most shareable you isn't your success. It's your storms. Success doesn't give you something to share in the same way that storms do. Your favorite stories, just think about it. Your favorite stories, the heroes who inspire you, the examples that you want to emulate, they aren't valuable because of their ease. Are they? They're not valuable because they were born with a platinum spoon and had it all handed to them. No, they're valuable because they went through some stuff. They're valuable because it was difficult. They're valued because it changed them. They're valuable because you see in them that they actually needed their storms to become who they, see, who they are. And, if, and if, if their storms were necessary for them, for them to become that, maybe your storms are necessary for you to become whatever God wants for you to be. They encourage your heart that storms have purpose. A.W. Tozer says it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Whew. Put that on your coffee cup. Listen, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. You see, the violent winds of storms, they push on the edges of our understanding. They change our perspective. They push on the edges of your capacity. They push on the edges of your dependence. And so in God's kindness, they don't push on the edges to bring their collapse. They push on the edges to expand their capacity. In the expansion of your understanding, your capacity is enlarged. In the expansion of the edges of your heart, your ability to see is changed. Your ability to feel is deep and your ability to hear is tweaked. Your ability to trust, your ability to receive, to receive God's plans, God's purposes. Listen, God's blessing is only expanded if the storms can push against the edge of your heart to make your hands and your heart and your ideology and your perspective big enough to receive what God has for you. Can I tell you, I have never been enlarged by success, but I have been profoundly enlarged by suffering. See, whenever it's going well, I'm not interested in an alternative. I'm not interested in your perspective. I'm not interested in doing a different way. I'm right. Look at what's happening. But in suffering, those winds, they push on my mind. They push on my perspective. They push on my prayer. Not pushing on the edges to bring about my collapse, but to expand me so I can receive God's plans for me. So many of us want more from God, but don't want God to push on us. We say, God, give me more. And God says, your hands are too small, baby. Your heart's too small. Your eyesight's too dim. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Your trust is minuscule. You ain't ready for what I got for you. But if you'll let me walk you through a valley, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We'll get to the other side. And that's where the blessing is. Wouldn't you love if the blessing of God was at the beginning of the valley, like you could just reach down and grab it? There we go, okay. I have always found that it ain't at the beginning, it ain't even in the middle. It's at the complete opposite end, and you gotta sit there and go, 
All right. Okay, you ain't going to leave me, right? No, I'm not going to leave you. I'm, I, you told me to go to the other side, and, and there's going to be some storms in the middle, but you're going to walk on the water, and I'm going to get to the other side. Yeah. You got a decision to make. You willing to go through a storm to be perfected, to be enlarged, to receive the plans and purposes of God's blessing for your life? Or are you going to insist in ease and comfort that God gives it to you now? And I'm telling you, you aren't ready for it now. I'm telling you, you need some storms. I'm telling you, some of you right now, the storm, it isn't trying to kill you. It's trying to correct you. Some of you, the, the, the storms, it, it's not to discourage you. It's to direct you. And for some of you, the the storm, it's trying to push you. It's trying to perfect you. It's trying to expand you. It's trying to deepen you. Because the things that God has for you, you're not ready to receive. And so God allows and even authors and hurls storms at us to grow us, to change us. Now, now here's some interesting things. Uh, There's perfecting, directing, and correcting. But for a Christian, hear what I'm saying? For a Christian, there's no such thing as a purposeless storm. For a Christian, there's no such thing as a purposeless storm. Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, what's the next two words? All things. Did y'all, y'all good over here, public school kids? I was a public school kid. Just relax. What's it say? Say it again. Next two words. All things. things. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, even the storms. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those who love God, those who are called, for those people, God works everything together for our good. Listen, you know this if you've been walking with God. You know the storm that you would have never picked. You know the story that you would have never picked. You know that God took you to a place that you didn't want to go, that you don't want to go back to, but you know what God gave you in that valley. And you know with such clarity, listen, you're almost thankful for that valley. Come on, say amen if that's you. I would have never picked it. I would have never gone down that road. I would have never trusted you like that. And so you landed that storm on my head. But what you put into my soul is so valuable. I'm actually thankful for the storm because you even worked the storms and my suffering for my good. But there's a qualifier. The qualifier is for those who love God. Listen, I I need you to understand without God, You're a kite in a lightning storm. The storms are coming. Listen, you know this. Watch the news. Watch the amount of things that are happening in people's lives that they didn't pick. They didn't do anything wrong. They just lived in the wrong country under the wrong governance. Good people, just like you and I. They just wake up one day and their world is turned upside down. And they're in a storm. Listen, you don't get to control the outcomes of your life. Come on, surely COVID taught you that. But if you don't love God, when the lightning storm comes, you're a kite with an iron tip at the top. But with God, you have an anchor for your soul in every storm. 
Without God, the storm is stronger than you. You're at its mercy. And here's the thing that's a trip. It don't even have to be your storm. You can just be sitting next to somebody on the bus and you get hit by their storm. Some of y'all should be more nervous to fly planes, not because of the plane or the pilot, but because of who's in 11C. You don't know what they've been into. I'm being serious. I'm, I'm joking to some extent. But listen, uh, people always say to me, you know, Christianity is a crush for the week. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Sign me up. I've seen too many storms. I've watched too much news. I don't want that smoke. Count me as weak. Count me able to admit there are storms that are bigger than me, and I don't want to face them by myself. Count me as somebody who says, I need somebody who is able to save me from the storm and who is bigger than the storm. Because I've watched some of y'all get hit by storms on your own, and baby, it ain't pretty. For those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. But if you don't love God, you don't have a purposeful protector. You're it. I hope you have good insurance. But with God, you have a creator who walked on stormy waters and told the storm, we're done. Peace be still. Listen, you, you need a savior. You need someone stronger than the storm. You need somebody who can assure you, I'm going to fix this or I'm going to use this for your good. You need somebody that you can trust like that. I've got that person that makes me a Christian. His name is Jesus. There's no such thing as a purposeless storm. Some of us, we say, God, why are you doing this to me? And you need to change your why from why to why. You see, the temperament of your question matters. Some of you are accusing God with your questions, but you're not curious what God is doing. There's no purposeless storm. Are you in a correcting season? Are you in a directing season? Are you in a perfecting season? But you're never in a purposeless season if you love God. The other thing that I want you to see is that there's no such thing as a life with no storms. <clears throat> this is the lie of the American dream, friends. That you can get yourself to a posture and to a place of affluence and influence that your life is just good. It's not true. Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount and he says, there's two types of people, but they both have the same experience. The wise man builds his house on the rock. And when the storms came, the foolish man builds his house on the, stand, on the sand. And when the storms came. You see, storms are the inevitable thing. And Jesus, in empathy and in grace and in kindness, is closing the Sermon on the Mount by saying his hope was to get his audience prepared for the inevitability of suffering on this side of, of eternity. So how does Jesus get us ready for storms? Here's how. By calling us to hear and do. By calling us to hear and do. What you hear and what you do is how you build your life. This is so simple, we tend to miss it. You think you are living your life. You are not. You are building your life. By what you hear and what you do, and by where, and on whom, you are building. 
Jesus says that half of where you build is based on who you're listening to. It's why the voices that you're listening to and how you manage them, it's why the volume of your life, it's why the velocity of your life matters so much. It's why who you spend time with, who you're walking through life with, who you're trusting as your source of wisdom is so important. It's the reason that I so often ask you, if you don't have a Bible, please get one and please read it so you can hear from God. It's the reason that I say, please pray so you can hear from God. It's the reason that I ask you to listen to worship music because in worshiping, we're praying to God and hearing from God. In worshiping, strongholds are being ripped down. In worshiping, dependence is being placed on the promises of God. I'm hearing the voice of God and I'm doing something with the voice of God. I ask you to get into a small group. I ask you to get discipled. I ask you to slow down. I ask you to take a break. I ask you to remember God's voice and goodness. Because you're building your life on something and half of it is what you're hearing. This is why I beg you to manage the intake on social media. So I beg you to stop watching so much news that's why I beg you to stop watching certain movies and listening to certain podcasts and listening to certain artists. They're building something in you. Manage who and what you hear. It's building you into something. Why? Because hearing leads to believing. What does Romans say? How are they going to hear or how are they going to believe if no one's told them? The order of belief in the Bible is first you hear and then you believe, so you better manage what you're hearing, Christian. Because some of you are filling your souls with nonsense and not thinking that it's building belief in your heart. Jesus is saying at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, listen to what I'm saying. Believe what I'm saying. Believe me when I tell you this is the way to live. Believe me when I tell you this kingdom is an otherworldly kingdom. Believe me when I tell you, you ain't ever met anyone like Jesus. Now, hearing leads to belief, and belief is essential. But it isn't all there, that there is. I, I feel like in the church, we've we made a mistake. We say belief. Just believe. And of course, when you place your faith in Jesus, you you believe certain things, but then you have to do something with it. We, we turn the Christian faith into this intellectual ascent. Just believe, have good theology, have good doctrine, and if you have those things, you'll be good. But how many of you know that's not true? Jesus doesn't say, a wise man is he who hears and believes. Does he? No, he says, a wise man is somebody who hears and does what I say. Jesus says half of where you build is what you hear, but the other half is what you do with what you're hearing. Listen and do. Believe and follow. Walking with God doesn't exclude you from storms. It prepares you for storms. Because your life is built on the rock, and it's an incredible comfort. Listen, some of the most miraculous moments of my life have been in rooms with people on their worst day. Part of my job is to see people at their very best, their most faithful, their most trusting, their most transcendent. And I've seen it again and again and again. People making dramatically miraculous 
life-altering decisions sitting right there. The other side of my job is I get the call on somebody's worst day. The doctor just said, a wreck just happened. She just walked out. And I show up to these rooms and again and again and again, I have been amazed to watch God take somebody whose life is in the middle of a storm and watch as they move that person into the cleft of the rock. I've been amazed to watch somebody who's just gotten news that she's not going to make it in the middle of a violent storm that should wreck their life, but they're under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. I've watched again and again and again human logic be defied. You should be coming apart at the seams, but you're the calmest person in the room. How is this possible? Your life's built on a rock. And it's not built on a rock from belief. It's built on a rock from following God. Can I tell you in a hospital room, your doctrine doesn't matter if you don't have experience with God? It doesn't. Hypostatic union doesn't matter. Eschatology doesn't matter. Pneumatology doesn't matter. Bibliology doesn't matter. Do you know that God is in the room with you? Have you walked with God? Have you followed him? Now listen, your hearing gives birth to belief, and belief can give way to following. But we know a lot of Christians who have heard and believed, and when the storm comes, their belief is on sand. Even religious belief is on sand. God doesn't call you to believe. He calls you to follow. And what an incredible comfort it is to know that following God prepares me for the inevitable storms that I will face in my life. What an incredible comfort. And what an important caution. Because some of you, you feel secure by every worldly metric. You are educated. You're successful. You have money. You have influence and affluence. You have respect. You're relatively healthy. A certain amount of people love you. And you say, I'm ready for the storm, but you're not. You're not ready for the storm. You're not ready for that call. You're not ready to be in that room because your value, your worth, your security, and trust are all based on movable entities. Things that can be taken away from you. And if they are movable, they are irrelevant when the storm comes. Your life is built on sand. Nice sand. Luxurious sand. Respected sand. But with enough pressure and enough water and enough wind, it can't withstand that type of pressure. Some of you are entrusting your security to green paper with dead guys on it. Some of you are entrusting your security to what you have. I've watched again and again and again people that I, I thought were ready. People who assumed they were ready and I've been in the room. And they're in the storm. And there's no following to move them to under the shadow of the wing. There's doctrine. There's church attendance. But there's no relationship. And so the wind comes, and the rain comes, and the pressure comes, and there's no one to rescue. And I worry for some of you. Listen, I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm being honest right now. 
I worry for some of you because you think you're ready and you're not. You think you're stable and secure and you're safe and you're not because you attend church, but you don't love Jesus. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 8 and verse 1, it says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. <laughs> Jesus gets done talking. He stands up, starts walking down the mountain. And they watch him walk and they say, I got no idea where this guy came from, but I'm going to follow him. Can I tell you the point of the Sermon on the Mount? It's that Jesus doesn't want you to believe him. He wants you to follow him. That's exactly what I'm asking you to do today. Over the last 15 weeks, you've listened to Pastor Todd and I do our best to preach this text, to introduce you to a kingdom and its king. Its king, whose name is Jesus, and he and his kingdom are alike in that they are unlike anything else in this world. There are millions and millions of people on the earth today who have never heard the name of Jesus, never been introduced to the kingdom of God. You, out of privilege, incredibly, are not in the, that number. You have heard. You've been in this room. You've been introduced. You're accountable now. You're a steward now of what you've heard. You're halfway there. And I'm asking you to take the next step and not just believe, but follow. Listen and obey. Build your life on Jesus. As we end this series, some of you have done this. Some of you have been walking with God longer than me. But as we end this series, I want to ask you to say it again. I want to ask you to reestablish and to reaffirm as Jesus walks off this mountain. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to build my life on him. And I don't just want you to believe it. I want you to sing it. I'm going to have you stand up and we're going to end this series. And I want you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to tell God in this song called Gratitude, I don't got much, but whatever I have is yours. God, we love you today. I thank you that everybody in this room is loved by the Most High God, is known by the Most High God. And in his grace, he says, you're going to face storms. You're going to have suffering, but I can be your rock. I can keep you safe. I can make it purposeful, but you got to believe me and you got to follow me. And Lord, I pray in this moment in this church, as we go into the holidays at the end of this year and into another calendar year that we would say without shame, we follow you. We trust you. We obey you. We love you. Lead us. We're your children for your glory and our joy. Spread.